I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is a show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I am easy like Sunday morning in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and joining me on the other line, lounging in the satellite branch from scenic Hamilton, it is your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. Hi, everyone. Except I am not lounging. I have. I am trying to um, upgrade my posture. Oh, because I saw the massage therapist yesterday. Oh, and he a if you have a good massage therapist, he, he you know called, that he called the police. Like. Well, no, he beats the shit out of you, mm-hmm. um, and like you are sore the next day. That's that's the mark of a good massage therapist. Um, they don't. They're not there to make it like nice. They're there to like try and <laughs> fix your muscles. They did not come to make friends. No, <laughs> that's a massage um, therapist. Yeah, uh, props, Michael. Um, <laughs> and the second thing was he was like, "You do a lot of sitting, don't you?" And I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "I think you need to get up." He was trying to be very nice. I actually really liked him because he didn't talk. I've had so many massage therapists that want to be friends and like want to chat and I hate it because it's your face down and yeah, there's like that hole, but it's hard to talk and focus and whatnot. Um, so I don't want to tell you about my life story. I just want you to try and fix my back because it's a mess. Anyways, he was, he was very quiet, but when he did talk, it was basically to criticize my, my lack of movement uh, obvious exercise and I appreciated it. I needed someone to be like, yeah, no, you need to get up and move around more. Yeah. So it was, so I am trying to be better about my posture and, uh, and I might have to get like a sit stand desk. I might have to do this podcast standing. Oh you know? yeah. Um, we'll see. We'll that's, see what happens. In the that's, that, there's, there's the, you were wondering friends, you were wondering what the post 300, uh, <laughs> level up was going to be Kate standing desk. Yeah, I know. That's what it's going to be. You're lucky I'm not getting anything but getting a treadmill desk, okay? So. <laughs> podcast become the breathiness of this podcast increases 700%. <laughs> Friends, as said, we are rapidly approaching 300, but we ain't there yet. This is episode 298. If you'd like to listen to any of our other 297 episodes, take yourself wherever you get your audio content. Spotify, SoundCloud, Google, Apple, or Stitcher. Uh, apologize to our Apple friends. Apparently, the last episode did not go live there. It's everywhere else. Don't know why Mr. Cook's not playing nice with us this time, but I'm trying to sort that. Hopefully, it was a one-off, and it will sort itself. But either way, as far as I know, whenever you give the program a rate, review, follow, subscribe, you don't have to worry about how this podcast is getting to you, because it's just going to be brought, sprinkled from the back of a rainbow main alicorn named Philip by your mans. John C. Fossilicus III, Geek Down Internet Elf. Does Chauncey have a background in software engineering? Can we have him look into this this Apple hiccup? No, he's you know he he likes his tech, but he hasn't deep dived yet. I mean, he knows enough languages already. He didn't think he had to add any of the programming languages. Um, <laughs> he does a little Raspberry Pi in his off time, but I mean that's that's the extent of it. He's yeah, he's a maker. Yeah. Chauncey's a maker. I mean, he, he likes going to maker fair. He got interested in Java in the early days, but then was like, you know, he, he sort of ticked that box and moved on to, like, crocheting. <laughs> it's quite quite a leap. 
Friends, if you know anybody in software engineering or you know uh, where we can move our social media presence to, let us know on twitter.com slash geekdownpod. Get up, get up off Twitter. It's where the show is living on the social media. It's presently ETA TBD. We are, yeah. We, yeah. Are, we are rat verified for the moment. Friends, if you want to support this endeavor financially so we can give Elon eight bucks a month for a blue check, head on over. KO-FI.com slash geekdownpod. Three bucks in the old tip jar ensures we can stay on the most garbage social network that there possibly is. Tumblr, Kate, that's where we're going next. I, hey, I want to see if they will if they will allow us to just give our audience free dragon porn, then I'm fine with it. But, I mean, I suppose we could write some, some like, fan fiction dragon porn. Well, apparently... How do you guys feel about reading your porn? Wow. <laughs> Let us know. Wow. We can give you dragon nudes. We can't give you dragon porn. They're, we're still trying to navigate our way through the uh, the new guidelines over on Tumblr. This has apparently led to the, the Tumblr sauce of 2022. Because it's like, boobs are back on Which is Tumblr. exciting. I, I suppose. Because boobs are great. I don't know. And the, they should be allowed. Was the internet suffering a, <laughs> a deficit of Boob. boobs? I don't, think, well, I don't think there was a boob deficit. Maybe um, maybe an artistic boob deficit because ah, there was like the boobs behind the paywall, um, <laughs> but there was like not a lot of places will allow boobs artistically because they like have a meltdown. Like Facebook, if you see a nipple, like six people will flag it and then Facebook takes it away and you can't like argue with them. Well, that is because as I've, I've, as I've recently learned, part of the Tumblr sense right now is that Tumblr still has uh, a sizable user base and more importantly, the right user base, as in the youths are still kicking on Tumblr. Whereas on Facebook, yeah. apparently f- over 40% of their users are above the age of 65. So, Yes, but they're also mo- more likely to click on garbage advertising links and be scammed out of money. I mean, so, I, don't know. Know, I don't know how that's going to work for the uh, Metaverse launch, but I don't know the olds are really diving both feet. Well, they can't because the Metaverse doesn't have legs yet, but... <laughs> oh! <laughs> Ooh, okay. shots! Shots to the Metaverse! Shots! Shots fired! Shots fired! Jesus, I'm sounding like an old because I barely know what I'm talking about because I have chosen to uh, recuse myself from any discussions of the Metaverse. Anyway, friends, how are you? Caitlin, how are you? I'm doing all right. Doing I'm all tired. right. It's that time of year. Back is loose. My back, my back is sore. I'm sure it'll loosen up in a couple of days. <laughs> I'm gonna have a hot bath tonight. It's gonna be great. <laughs> Epsom salts. It's the way to go. Hey, you know what? I know what you're thinking. You should join those olds on Facebook and talk to them about your Epsom salt baths. But hey, it's good for everybody. Um, it really is. Just no, that's it. why you okay. have to come on Tumblr. I'm gonna I'm gonna start a Tumblr for the show, and you can go over there and and espouse the benefits of Epsom salt baths to all the children, so they can Amazing. know. It's just that time of year where, so we've had our time change as of today. So we got an extra hour. <laughs> we um, sound, we sounded sluggish today, y'all. That's why. That, that's why we got an extra. I know you're like, oh, an extra hour. That would be right. No, my brain mm-hmm. is very befuddled it's like it i feel like the light shouldn't be like this it feels later but earlier listen, listen. it's very yeah i read a very interesting <laughs> put on my npr voice <clears throat> i read a very interesting thread on twitter today from the washington post <laughs> about how if we adopt if we universally adopt any time standard it should be standard time and not daylight savings because daylight savings throws our internal clocks out of whack with the solar clock whereas by standard time Noon takes place when the sun is at its, you know, the highest point in the sky. Yes. Where 
chronological noon is the same as solar noon. If we stick to daylight savings all the time, you get more sunshine, but your clock is going to get all out of whack, which could lead to a myriad of health problems in coming years. Like insanity or killing all of the members of your crew. At least that's what I'm led to believe by the many sci-fi sci-fi movies I've watched. Jesus. Anyway, my life is just work. Worky work, work, work. All the work. Tis, tis the season, right? I hate it so much. I hate it so much. I've decided that Q3 is my Joker origin story. This is how it happens. When it happens, and listeners, when, when the media comes back and listens to this podcast, looking for a rationale on why he self-immolated in the middle of young Dundas Square. Come back to this episode. Um, For those of you who don't know the lingo, Q3 refers to quarter three. Third quarter of the fiscal year, a.k.a. the holiday, a.k.a. the busiest, you know, most important quarter in any retail business. And it's been a disaster. It's been a time, y'all. Two years of... Two years of living easy during a pandemic has not made us well-equipped to hit the ground running again on a quote-unquote normal uh, holiday season. Hey, I feel that same way. I work um, you know, at a college, as I've mentioned several times, and I work in the department that handles the actual, what they call the physical plant or the physical school, so uh, facilities. Um, and with everyone coming back in the fall, we're still dealing with more calls and more issues and... It's not like I've, I did sort of a bit of one fall before we went into the pandemic and it's like everything we do has been times by 10 and it's just been wild. So it is not just the retail world or the service industry world that is, that is kind of, um, on fire. <sighs> great times y'all, but Hey, Dofo's out there, uh, forcing contracts on education workers. So it's a great time here in Ontario. There is news out there worth talking about uh, a little bit. One thing I don't want to talk about, but I just want to acknowledge, is that in the continuing train of uh, 90s Disney cartoons getting live action adaptations, have you heard this one, Kate? Have you heard what's next in the hopper? Yes, and I'm very upset. Because it's Hercules? Not because it's Hercules, because of what they said about Hercules. (laughs) Which part? That they're going to make it tiktok It's going to be a TikTok musical. <laughs> what does that even mean? That's just dumb. Oh, my God. So, yes, the Russo brothers. Also, are they okay? I don't know. Are the Russo know. brothers okay? Like, they basically landed. I don't think anyone. They landed an Imperial Star Destroyer and kept it safe. Like, they, they four yes. major Marvel movies. Concluded phase one, nailed it, spiked the football. And ever since then, it's just kind of been weird. And this is the weirdest it could possibly get. Uh, yeah, the Joe and Anthony Russo, uh, a.k.a. the Russo brothers, are attached to do this uh, Hercules musical for Disney. Um, <laughs> that is apparently heavily influenced by the popularity of TikTok. And this is the quote that Joe Russo gave to Variety. <laughs> Uh, quote, there are questions about how you translate it as a musical. Audiences today have been trained by TikTok, right? How do you do, fellow kids? Bro, you shouldn't be asking me <laughs> or the interviewer. <laughs> I feel like you should just know. Um, what is their expectation of what that musical looks like and feels like? That can be a lot of fun and help us push the boundaries a little bit on how you execute a modern musical. 
Like, what is that? Is Hades just going to come out and do a shoot dance for four seconds? And then <laughs> we cut to something else? Like, I don't know what this looks like. This could be amazing. And I don't mean, like, amazing. I mean the lead on next year's November Crapathon. Or it could be just an <laughs> utter, like, complete disaster. I don't know. I don't know which we're going to get here. But I mean, like, think about Beauty and the Beast. It was a disaster. Live action. Like, it was so bad. Um, so bad in the same, like Aladdin wasn't as bad, but it was bad enough that it just made me want to watch the original. Um, and I know Hercules wasn't really popular at the time, but it's a really solid, fun family movie. Um, the introductions of the chorus, um, being like a gospel choir, um, was ingenious. Um, it added such a different flair to it. And um, the music is fantastic and so, like, sing-alongable. Um, and I, I, the, my problem with these movies is they're not doing anything as good. And you would think that if you wanted to do a live action, you wanted to make it even better. Um, but they're just not being able to hit the mark. I know it's making them money, which is why they're doing them. Um, but I just... I, I'm just so frustrated because I just I have this feeling that they're gonna they're gonna take out the the chorus, which is one of the highlights of the movie. They're gonna take away the fun bits of it, and they're just gonna try and make it. I'm gonna say the word populist, <laughs> um, and I'm like the movies are for like kids and families. I know some kids are interested in TikTok, but most of the people on TikTok are teenagers and people in their twenties. Um, they're probably not going to be interested in Hercules. Um, I could be wrong. Maybe I'm all wrong. Maybe, maybe it will be fine, but I don't want fine. I want fantastic. Um, and we always joke about like Chris and I, senior correspondent and I like that Hercules should be there. That should be a live action. Um, and that should, you know, because that would be great to see. Um, but no, not this way. Not like this. <laughs> not this way. <laughs> I didn't want it like this. No. Um, this yeah. is like, you know what? This is like the curse of the monkey paw. Like I've made a wish and it's just all wrong. That is absolutely what has happened. <laughs> You've gotten your wish, but it is the definition of a poison chalice. Um, yeah. What will not be a poison chalice, we hope, finally, after much teasing and and hoping in a wishing, uh, Sammy got renewed. Yes. Yeah, that's not a surprise. Not a surprise, but it's Netflix. Would anything surprise us? Okay. Anymore? The industry is wild right now. The, the flip side of that coin so is Westworld got canceled. I was just about to say the flip side of that is that Westworld had four seasons. What? <laughs> yes. Which I think is probably what David Zaslav said before he canceled the fifth. Um, <laughs> this is still on. Um, listen, some people still really fucked with Westworld. We were not one of them. I don't know. Did you ever finish the first season? We watched it for the show when it dropped. I, f- I finished the first season, um, very slowly in like pieces, like piecemeal. Like it would mm. be like, I'd be homesick or, you know, Chris wouldn't be around. So I'd be, you know, watching something on my own or whatever. Um, cause I wanted to know, cause the first season was all like a mystery, yeah. right? It was this out of time. You're trying to put the pieces together. And I really liked that. Um, but so I wanted to finish it, but I kind of like watched the first couple episodes of the first, of the second season. And I was like, nah, this is not, you did. It's one of those things. It's like, a, it's like 
your when you do your first album and it's a masterpiece and then your sophomore <laughs> yes. you haven't had as much time yes. and you haven't given it as much thought and hasn't had as much planning so it's just it can't be as good right so but apparently they did have a fifth season plan to like wrap it up and then powers that be at hbo warner were like mm, nah we're good oh is this the same like warner thing that's happening yes. with yeah okay um. Yeah. The any decision about cancellations right now is coming through the same pipeline as all the other weird HBO Warner decisions that are decisions that are coming down right now. Um. Ooh. Also, something I uh, something I didn't tell you. Um. But apparently, so did we knew Damon Lindelof was uh talking in talks or was breaking a uh, a Star Wars movie. No. So Damon Lindelof of Watchmen is working on some Star Wars stuff. Okay. And assembled a writer's room. And in the writer's room, allegedly, he cannot confirm or deny, but they make rampant jokes about it every time they talk about Bob Chapek or anything Disney-related. Uh, your boy Andy Greenwell from Chris and Andy. Really? Is, has been in the writer's room for this this untitled Damon Lindelof Star Wars project. Um, mm. Because infamously, in the lore of that show, Damon Lindelof heard their comments on uh, on The Leftovers back in the day. And it turned right. him into a listener of the podcast and just kind of put them on their radar. Um, and yeah, now Andy's in the writer's room of a Star Wars project, allegedly. So it can happen, Kate. We just got to. <laughs> <laughs> so all the things on our board <laughs> that we. <laughs> yes. We got a whole board. We got a whole Hollywood. We got a whole board right here. It's right. It's right there. Right. <laughs> Full of ideas that we do not remember anymore, but with the they were good at the time. They were good at the time. They were great at the time. I think some of them actually were done. We had ideas and people brought them into, <laughs> into the world. And I was like, that was because we put those vibes out there. Those hippie ladies who keep on telling me to put vibes out there, they were right. So, yes, uh, that that was meandering. But the point is there there will be more Sandman coming, uh, which is exciting. I'm hoping, listen, <laughs> my, my, my cautious hope... Mm-hmm. My my conservative hope is that skim three seasons. They can bash out the whole story. I feel like they can bash out the whole story in three seasons. Okay. They got through kind yeah. of like the first two volumes and then some and a couple of little other Lucy's in this first season. So, I mean, they could do Seasons of the Mist and Game of You uh, in the second season. And then uh, Brief Lives and Kindly Ones on the... Uh, on the uh, kindly Ones is so long, though. Fuck. <laughs> Maybe I'm not. sure they, Maybe ha- we need they could... Uh, well, we'll see how it goes, right? Hey, they may start hacking things down at Netflix. You I'm more know. than happy to help you figure this out, Sandman Writer's Room. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, just get that. You don't put that clip. Wait, you put your get, clip up? You get Caitlin in the interview with the Vampire Writer's Room, and yeah. you get me in the Sandman Writer's Room, and our dreams our dreams are fulfilled. That's all, that's all we need. <sighs> we should probably write, like, spec scripts or something. <laughs> probably something we should do I, at some point. I think it's a little bit harder than just like, yeah, let's knock a couple out in the afternoon. It'll be fine. We'll just, not, we'll just bash one out. <laughs> Next time you're over, we'll just bash out a couple of spec scripts. It'll be fine. Um, yeah. Last item of note news-wise that I wanted to mention, uh, I was completely unaware and delighted and charmed by the fact that Henry Cavill fucking loves Warhammer. Oh, you didn't know that? I, I talked did. about this. I didn't. I, if you did, I, I blanked I out because it was about Warhammer. <laughs> No, I think I must have because I have talked about Warhammer and I'm pretty sure I brought up Henry Cavill, like his adoration of Warhammer in so much that, you know, the guy who plays the bard in The Witcher? 
Yes. He like got him to start collecting Warhammer <laughs> figurines. Like he he's that type where he'll be like he he just absorbs people into his hobbies and he will literally bring up Warhammer in every interview. He'll like point things out and be like that lamp looks like this ship from Warhammer. Does anybody know Warhammer? Like he will bring it up. Well, because all that, the time. that's what went viral this week is he was giving an interview for I guess he's in some sort of Sherlock Holmes movie or something. Um Yes. Enola Holmes. In he's in, that, he's in, in Enola Holmes. Second. He was he yeah. was giving a. Uh, I thought that was him in the trailer, um, but it went by real fast. He is. Uh, he's giving you know just a press junket interview for Enola Holmes, and somebody asks him, um, "What?" Again, this phrase means nothing to me, but somebody asks him. An interviewer asks him, "What army Sherlock Holmes would play?" And he immediately sits up. <laughs> Folds his hands like Mr. Burns and is like, hmm, and gives this so much thought. He like immediately comments on what a good question it is and then starts talking about Votan, but admits to not fully reading the codex yet. Oh, interesting. (laughs) And ultimately sides with uh, Custodes. Yes. Because they have a low model count. So you have to be, you have to be careful with each body to make a plan work and play with some finesse. This means nothing to me, but I'm delighted by how happy he is. And ultimately the saddest part was he asked the interviewer what he thought. And the interviewer had to cop to the fact that one of his colleagues submitted the question. He didn't know anything about Warhammer and Henry Cavill was so bummed (laughs) in um, that moment. I, I just to answer the question that everyone wants to know. Yes, I would play Adepta Sororitas and I know it's the, like the lady army, but uh, they're just so badass, and their their guns are just so great. And I just love their weird cherubs, and I just think they're just wild. I love them. Um, so yes, that is my answer. Henry Cavill, if you want to have this discussion, Nerd! yes, <laughs> yes, um, <laughs> yeah. No, I could see. So I'm not going to go into it, but please don't. Uh, I'm okay. Um, you know, cause that was my lead up to get into it. Um, basically Warhammer is just, all you need to know about Warhammer is it's bonkers. It is the grim dark of the crazy far future. It is like post Star Trek, like just bonkers chaos, uh, and the people who try and fight against it. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I know Henry Cavill is famously just like the biggest, biggest nerd. Um, that's why he, oh, speaking of Henry Cavill, is, has left The Witcher. We will, one of the, I'm starting to realize that one of the great mysteries of our time will be what happened with The Witcher. <laughs> I have heard so many conspiracy theories and hot takes <laughs> and deep dives uh, and three hour YouTube uh, video <laughs> thumbnails on what happened with Henry Cavill leaving The Witcher that like that they let him go that he wanted to leave that they didn't respect the books because he was on record at saying he was down for he wanted to be in there for seven seasons this was his jam he wanted to be in this show and as I have since yeah. learned he's a giant nerd so he probably did but that he wanted yeah. to go do Superman again he couldn't do both and that's what the producers are saying but maybe they wanted to make the you know the Witcher more goofy and not as serious and you know Geralt's not a philosopher like he is in the books and that sort of thing it's wild Caitlin I can't keep up with it and I don't know that we should um <laughs> And I don't think that you can give a, any example of a series replacing their very iconic lead and succeeding. Um, not after two, not in the third season, like 
Yeah. Like just, you should have just let him be a producer. Like if that really was the issue that the, he didn't think they were treating the material well, find someone to work with him, get his, you know, get his input. He obviously loves the source material. He's played all the games. He's read all the books. Like he knows this stuff. Maybe, you know, I understand that that's not his job and he was not hired as that, but maybe, you know, assuage him in some, he's also a draw for the show. Like I'd say a lot of, he, he loves a lot of people went to that show without knowing who the fuck Geralt of Rivera was, but they knew who Henry Cavill was and they went to check that out based on his yeah. draw. Like, and, and know what? Nobody wants more Superman. Like, okay. No, there's like a very small contingent of, of people who are like, ah, more Superman, put it in my gullet. But I think most people would rather more Witcher than, than, than Superman. Um, um, I think that is one of the wrongest things you've ever said, but that's really, <laughs> Caitlin, you're talking about the most iconic superhero on earth. And I know, but like, this is a very niche treated... fantasy character. Yes, they haven't I just, treated him well, but I mean, come on. I just feel like, and okay. Unless it's good Superman, I guess, let's see. Is it going to be good Superman? Like we talked about last yeah, week, James, James Gunn driving the boat now. So, I mean, maybe it won't be a glowering uh, shoot Zod in the head with lasers, Superman. But how do you – oh, that would be interesting. I'd like to see that. If they are making more Superman and it is Henry Cavill Superman, I would like to see how they save the train wreck that was Superman. How they how they pull free him from the Snyderverse and, yeah. and put him in something that kind of offers, I don't know, hope that the, yeah. the sun exists in. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, that that's going to be interesting if that is what is going to happen. I just mean that, like, I don't know. I, I don't know any big comic book fans that are like, woo, more Superman. Like, I just – maybe I'm hanging out with the wrong people. <laughs> maybe hope has died I, and they're I, just like – I think they are I think they are out there. I just think they have been on the, the edges for a while because Hollywood has not really known what to do with them. For They made them a supporting character in the JLA movies and have made – Two to one Batman to Superman movies for the past ten years, oh my right? God. So two to one. God. <laughs> Probably like six to one. This is getting ridiculous. At any rate, just delighted. Delighted to see him <laughs> embracing his passions and and being his authentic self, despite the funhouse mirror world he has to work in doing all these all these projects. Uh Kate. Yeah. As ever, we will save uh the discussion of that one thing till the end. But what else are you get into this week? Um, I got into a couple of things. I watched Coco, um, because it was Day of the Dead this week. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, as ever, I cried at the end of that movie. Um, and, uh, that was my sort of rewatch for the week. The other things I watched was, uh, Dragon Prince season four dropped on Netflix. Oh. Um, and I tried. Speaking to of watch the Westworld, there's a fourth season. <laughs> <laughs> there is. Um, I tried to watch it. It's they have good parts. Oh, is it falling off? No, it's not. There's always been this like very kitty like fart joke mm. like right, part right. to it that I just don't. I'm sure kids find it hilarious, and I'm not saying that they should take it out because this show is meant for children. And as I always say, I don't think adults should have their input when it comes to kids. Like 
if kids should rate kids shows, I'm just saying that it's hard for me to be like, this is great. When I'm like, ugh, I like fast forward <laughs> through those parts. Um, another kid show that is actually fantastic. And at least I'm really enjoying is rise of the teenage mutant Ninja turtles. Oh, okay. There has been several teenage mutant Ninja turtles properties over the last, I'm going to say like 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot in the last little while, some that fans absolutely adore. Um, I think I watched. I think I watched some of the last version, the last Nickelodeon one. I think I watched half a season of, or something like that. Okay, and was impressed this by is it. Also, Did all right? Yeah, this is also Nickelodeon. Um, this is a show and apparently it's got some of the same people who did Teen Titans Go and it has some similarities. Um, it's just a kind of crazy, wacky adventure and is actually quite funny. Um, and I liked the silly funniness of it. Um, it's something you can have in the background. It's not very serious. Um, and so that's been, that's been fun. Um, the, they have the best April O'Neil for sure. Um, but yes, I'm, I have been enjoying it. And then I watched the new Henry Selleck film, Wendell and Wild. Um, this is the one where Jordan Peele and Henry Selleck, they like, uh, wrote the screenplay and, um, were producers and it stars Jordan Peele and Kiki Michael Key. Um, Angela Bassett is in it. Um, as well as a host of other people. It is stop motion. It is all the Halloween vibes that you expect and love from Henry Selleck. Um, and it was a lot of fun. It, it wasn't ice. It wasn't as tight, um, as say like, like Coraline or James and the Giant Peach. Um, and I'm not going to bring up Nightmare Before Christmas because some people are going to have a meltdown and be like, ah, those Tim Burton's influence, blah. Um, Henry Selleck would beg to differ. <laughs> I think he's getting sick of people being like, uh, why do your films look so much like Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas? I think the next person who says that to him, he's going to set them on fire. I, just, I remember um, when Coraline came out and it was all like, from the director of A Nightmare Before Christmas. And it's like, Tim Burton didn't do this. And it was like, mm. And you're like, um but anyway so yeah it was a lot of fun it looked amazing um it it had some great effects and uh yeah yeah that's sort of what i got up to this week all right friends we're doing our best we really are we're really trying but what you need to understand is that andor is so good it is so good. that despite our the analogy I heard recently was like there used to be like when a car is like really great and it's like it's the it's the greatest subcompact car in the world right now. Well, maybe it's just the best car. Period. Right. Like full stop. This is the best Star Wars show that's come out this year or that's been on Disney Plus. Girl, maybe it's just the best show. Yeah. Period. Um, Full stop. So to that end, we're going to try. I I got a timer here. As I'm recording this before cuts, we're at the 33 minutes. I'm going to have a timer here. We're going to give us five minutes, Caitlin. Five minutes to talk about Andor. Starting now. The raddest Um, show in the world. (laughs) 
Um, it was so stressful and amazing. I actually sat through all of it, which I was surprised about. Um, I just can I ju- can I jump to methods? the end? Yes, can I jump to the end and you oh clarify God. something for me right now? Yeah, yeah. So I can. the the thing that they find out that ultimately flips Andy Circus is that they there's all this talk about something happened on level two. They're on the prison. They're in level four. Andor and his people are on level four and his team. And it's like, well, what happened on level two? They're trying to figure it out. What happened on level two? And it ultimately comes down to the guards fucked up and took somebody out. And instead of taking them someplace different, brought them back to the same place. Is that what it was? I didn't, no, I didn't I, quite catch why they killed everybody. Um. Okay. So, so what happened was they, Brought, they took someone out. So it was the end. They had finished all their shifts. Shifts, They were getting out of prison. Right. And I can't, I don't actually know if it was the same. I don't think they took them to the same place, but they like took them to another floor and they figured out that. They figured out that he didn't actually leave. And so they they got upset and revolting and getting angry because they realized none of them were leaving. Right. And then they were getting so okay. rowdy yeah, that's what that they killed them all. I thought it was something to that effect. Um, yeah. Yes, just the emergence of Daedra as just a vile fascist torturer. Um, and just her. She does this. The actress does this thing where she has a face twitch. That sneer. Like that a sneer. sneer oh. she does. Oh, my God. It's so I good. I have never been so scared of the empire in right this is why i said last life. week like i i know vader I know like force choking like, someone is, is like okay cool whatever that is this is the terrifying shit this yeah. is the um, systematic terrifying shit and the fact that tony gilroy and his people are getting away with just fully exposing the evilness of what this is this isn't some cartoony villain this is real boots on your back of your neck type shit like and i've nothing star wars i've ever seen has made me maybe you have maybe in the maybe in the animated stuff that was a little more apparent but i've never seen anything get that across as well as this show's doing it i don't know if it's quite as dark because this is this is for adults um but some of the shows definitely talked about you know the pressure the empire put on just everyday people the like random like hurting of people um torturing all of that um and then they did make they did a good job of making Darth Vader quite quite frightening um in his own right um but the, out of great shows come iconic lines and you better believe that in the next couple months, I will have a shirt that says, Never more than 12. And the people who know will know. <laughs> and I, I, I've never been so excited for a line of dialogue in my life. Um, yeah, I just, I can't get over how good the show is. It makes me so happy. And like, it's, it just, it's, I'm like I'm literally at a loss for words because it's what it's doing. It's not. It is a show that takes place in the Star Wars universe. It's not a Star Wars show. This is not a. The purpose of this show is not to give you some Easter egg to explain. You're not going to see like some boot jang boots with spurs go walking by and you can go like <gasps> it's that person. No, we are. Telling a story, we need to understand why this character got to a point where he would die for the cause. Yeah. And 
just uh, stunned, stunning. Everybody is just tilt-a-whirl, under-the-leg-behind-the-back, 360-degree dunking on this show. I am... We're going to get the fucking jailbreak this week, and I am yeah, I so amped. <laughs> or maybe the... I've got, like, it, like, highlighted in my calendar. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not doing anything but watching this show. That might be... Yeah, we got... We got three episodes left, so, I mean, yeah, we'll get uh, we'll get some some jailbreak and some Daniel Mom, but that's... If you are not watching Andor, I cannot... You don't need to know anything about Star Wars to just appreciate what this show is doing. And it's so good. Mm-hmm. And I got to get that soundtrack, that fucking dark synth, that dark wave synth stuff they're doing all through <laughs> all these prison <laughs> episodes. That's been fucking mint. I love it. And that Amazing. is the conclusion of our clock. Kate, we did it. We did it. <laughs> your, five minutes, your five minutes on Antor. <laughs> You were lucky I did not start talking about the architecture. Wee! Because we could. Her Moth Monma's car is fucking sick as shit, y'all. <laughs> uh, moving on. What else did I get into? That was not as good as Andor. Um, well, it came close. Uh, staying on all the anime. I think Denji on Chainsaw Man has now touched boobs. So I don't know what his motivation is going to be going forward, but... <laughs> I haven't, I haven't caught up. I'm going to have to catch up. Power, power made a deal with him. Amazing. So, happened off camera, though, so I don't know. It's like when Stannis Baratheon got killed, it's like, maybe he's still alive. Maybe Denji didn't Maybe Denji didn't touch boobs. I don't know. Um, also, <laughs> shouts to the show for just, there's a moment where, I don't know his name, Ponytail Guy, um, a brief moment to, like, show his life before he finds out that Power has now been sent to live with him as well. Right. So he's got Denji and Power both living in his apartment with him. Um... <laughs> Power is a fiend. She does not bathe. Oh, God. <laughs> Jokes, y'all. Um, and it's just a scene of him, like, getting up. He's getting a little hand grind, uh, pour over action on the coffee. He makes the coffee animated beautifully, grabs the paper, goes out on the balcony of his apartment, just kind of, like, sits down in his little outside chair, has a cigarette and a coffee, and reads the paper. I'm like, your life is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I miss having a life vaguely like that. I can't smoke anymore, but ooh, I miss I miss mornings like that, Kate. That was beautiful. You you really put me in a sense of place, Chainsaw Man. Um, everything else that we watched in our preview has continued to be pretty dope. Um, I got to get back to Akaba Made War. That's the one I have fallen off completely on. But I do want to go back to it. Uh, Witch from Mercury, still great, still love it. Uh, and oddly, still enamored with Raven of the Inner Palace. Yeah. Always got to go back to that one. Don't know why. Yeah. Still enjoying it though. It's, it's me too. Like it's been, it's just a chill show. Um, there's like, it's not really high stakes. No. Nope. Um, it's just continues to be ghost mysteries. Ghost mysteries and a little, a little overarching, you know, lore and mythology to dip your toe into every episode. So been, oh, definitely been and the importance that. of friendship and human connection. <laughs> friendship is magic. We do love those shows. Mm-hmm. Um, recently we had our, uh, our little, Staff appreciation bonus uh, discount over at Major Canadian Retailer, and I got a bunch of bunch of pre-orders in and bought some mangas and and some bookie books, and uh, I'm very excited. This is more of a uh, preview thing I'm getting into, so I think I'll be getting into it for a while, Kate. And that is the two-volume thousand-page crime epic, Lady Joker. <laughs> oh, this is by Kaoru Takamura, who has been a crime writer in Japan for a long ass time, and apparently this is her. Uh, or magnum opus, taught in schools, made into a movie, made into a TV series. 
starts with the inspiration of the, um, there was like a corporate kidnapping case in Japan in the nineties, um, takes that as its sort of starting point and then just goes full, like Tolstoy with it. <laughs> like there, there is a cast mm. in the front pages of people that you have to keep up on. Um, I think that's a great idea, including journalists, cops, civilians, gangsters, like everyone, um, thought to be untranslatable. It was kind of the pet project of a translator at the Soho crime label. This is a division of Soho press. They do a lot of global sort of, um, crime novels. And this was apparently, I, again, I've had in my like pocket, (laughs) that little app that you can save, uh, web articles on. I've had a LA Times piece on the translation of this book, like saved there for months because I just thought it was such an interesting story. This was her pet project. She wanted to get this done. And she tapped that uh, woman who uh, hung around with Marie Kondo <laughs> on the tidying up. <laughs> you know, whenever they have to talk the to translator? Mar- yeah, you know, when they had to talk to Marie Kondo and the, the translator yes. would speak for her? Yeah, it's that woman. She like helped with the, uh, with the translation. And on this. she would also awkwardly get hugs from Americans. Yes. Yes, I remember. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, this thing is two volumes. It's like a thousand pages total. And if I hadn't already finally spite started reading, um, I made some moves to the, to the Polly pocket lately friends as Caitlin will attest. Cause now there's more room for records. Um, and books are better placed. Somewhat. That's the most important part. I need to color organize them better. They're still author organized, but, uh, so somewhat- oh. oh. that's it. That's it. That's it. What? We're done. We can't make it to 300 episodes. <laughs> You have to be author organized. Oh God! Of course you have to be author. Caitlin, unless it's Caitlin, I am inclined to believe with you. Someone cute, background in graphic arts, was a creative director. She got him organized by color at her house. Very sharp. Very sharp. I think she's lovely, but she also now is a disaster <laughs> goblin. And <laughs> you people I'm just are saying, giving me. I've seen. You're, I'm going into an early grave I've because seen, of you people. I've seen how she lives her life and how she keeps her stuff organized. And then I moved them books up to them upper shelves and went, oh, it looks like garbage. <laughs> it just looks like a mess. I need to, I need to color palette these better. Um, you know, who's going to be setting themselves on fire in the middle of Dundas square. It's going to be me. You people need to stop this. So when Caitlin does it, you can come back to the <laughs> my book organization is Caitlin's Joker origin story. When you see her out in the square, throwing kerosene on herself this is why um anyway uh as i was as a there was also some culling i took some books i wasn't ever going to read anymore and brought took them to another weeb kid at work who loves reading japanese authors but there was one he actually mentioned this author previously and i have one of his books um it's an author named yuki Mishima. i read him when i was in my 20s um he's easy to romanticize when you're in your 20s because he was basically <laughs> Uh, an imperialist weirdo who ultimately handed in the draft to his last novel and then uh, went and tried to take over some sort of military base. Wow. You romanticize that in your 20s, and then you get older and you're like, that was a weird move. That was a weird move. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he has a shorter book called The Sailor Who Fell from Grace with the Sea that I've been, uh, I've had on my shelf for ages. It's very short. I'm going to try to rip through that before I get into a settle into Lady Joker. Uh, another thing I read, a couple, th- two other things I've read. Big reading week for me. Wow. Um, I had those manga Orochi by Kazuo Umez, kind of the pre Junji Ito, um, basically about a anthology. It's about some girl woman with strange powers who goes and ostensibly tries to help people, but it always goes terribly wrong. Um, read the most, I have two volumes of that. I read most of them. 
Um, not as affecting on me as PTSD Radio, which I was singing the praises of when I knew it was getting a uh, print release. I bought the print release. I read it on October 30th after dark. Wow. Went to bed, had trouble sleeping. Don't know that that's ever happened, y'all. Don't know that that has ever happened in my life where reading something spooky has kept me up. And this did. Wow. PSD Radio, very upsetting. <laughs> just from just from creepy kind of facial horror. That that, that, that'll do it though. Amazing. Um, things I've been playing. Talked about Marvel Snap last week. There's been another one that brought into the rotation. Uh, y- y'all, you may remember that I have a I have a weird love for fishing mini games. In other video games, there's another. Yes. There's another type of mini game that I always oh fall my for. God. And that is yeah. golf. Uh-huh. I love a golf mini game. And so when Instagram ads decided to let me know of a new uh, entry to the app store called Neko Golf. Again, Neko. quick little matches, just do quick little battles with people. Play one or play at most two holes and then the closest to the pin challenge to see if you win. It's got a weird mechanic. It's not just like the pull and let go. You have to literally like swipe through the like proper part of the like arch like the arch is going back and forth and then you have to like swipe through at the right time otherwise you're going to hook or slice or or hit the good shot while taking into account the wind and your club type and all that type of thing um i I don't know why i don't know why you just you're a sucker for a game in a game just just really really enjoying it so i got got my little little waiting for the bus quickies are uh, marvel snap and neko golf apparently those are on my phone um things i've been watching did not talk enough about the return of Dairy Girls right. on this show. Dairy Girls is a show about a group of friends in 90s Northern Ireland, a town called Londonderry, slash that's why they are Dairy Girls. And I was trying to sell someone cute on this, and it didn't really hit. I watched the first few episodes with her, and it didn't seem like it was hitting. And then unbeknownst to me, she stuck with it. Oh. And then I got a message that, you know, it took until the third season, but... Uh, Dairy Girls was like hitting her in the fields, and I said, "Well, I need to, I need to get into this then." And oh my god, it did! <laughs> the third season, basically mild spoilers, but it goes up to the Good Friday Agreement and the vote on the Good Friday Agreement, which was what sort of put an end to that phase of the troubles um, right. in Northern Ireland. And a key point was whether or not um, freedom fighters, terrorists, depending on your perspective, who had been jailed. Um, during the Troubles would be released. And sort of a division that c- happens between the girls where, like, Aaron, the main character, is like, but they killed and hurt people. They should not get out. Um, and one of the other girls, Michelle, her brother is in jail for those crimes. Um, and kind of the split that develops between them. And ultimately it was this scene, and again, you know, very savvy use of the cranberries throughout, but... <laughs> uh, I don't know if it was Linger or Dreams or one of those songs is playing and Aaron is talking to her grandfather and she's trying to work out how she's going to vote. And she's like, what if it doesn't work? And he says, what if it does? He said, what if this is all just a story you tell your, your children one day that they won't even be able to believe. And then you see the montage of them all voting and the song is playing and it actually makes you feel that there are times that humans can actually pull their heads collectively out of their asses enough to make the world a better place. Um, so shouts to you, Dairy Girls. That was a really nice feeling. Uh, and great, great get on the final cameo. I won't spoil that, but chef's kiss on that. 
one last thing that was less enjoyable than Dairy Girls, but yet I still found myself watching the entire thing because we love a good sitcom that can just roll over on Netflix. Uh, yeah. I finished Blockbuster this morning. Okay. It's fine. I like the people on it, so I'm trying to... <laughs> you can have my one stream for that. I just feel real bad for Melissa Fumero. Like, you know she was on that being like, man, Brooklyn Nine-Nine was a way better show than this. Yeah, probably. Um, It got a snort every once in a while, but it definitely feels like a... It's hard to say. It feels like a like a first season of a sitcom by people who grew up... I don't know the pedigree of everyone who worked on the show, but it seems like, it seems like a first kick at the can for a lot of people on this show. Okay. Um, it's a good premise. It's basically about... Uh, Randall Park, who again we love, uh, as we the as the owner of the now last branded blockbuster video store um, in small town Michigan, Musa Fumero is playing the like you know unrequited love. Um, the only other marquee name is JB Smoove, who plays the strip mall owner and uh, the Randall Park character's best friend. When he don't swear as much, it's <laughs> it's a harder hang. Like this is not Leon from Curb. It's a much different version of J.B. Smoove, but he's still uh, charismatic as well. I'm the president of hitting that ass. It did get the occasional surprising laugh out of me, but it was not. Didn't, wasn't, wasn't super, wasn't super great. <laughs> I kind of, I've heard that basically. I probably won't end up checking it out. Yeah, I don't know what you're I've got very limited time. Yeah. Hey, maybe one of those things that gets better after like second season. Maybe. Um, that happens sometimes, so we'll um, see. We'll see if it gets a second season. You know, for people who are so concerned about how we spend our time, we probably shouldn't spend uh, four episodes of the show a year watching things we know are bad. Well, that's a choice. But that's what we did. And at the last minute, I pulled one out for this episode that I'm actually now feeling very optimistic about. Mm -hmm. I think this is some, I think I stumbled into some and rediscovered Mm -hmm. some peak, peak garbage. (laughs) <laughs> for your listening pleasure, friends. So we're going to take a break right here. And when we come back, November Crapathon kicks off with a movie I'm sure most people listening to this show did not even know existed. And that is Tango <laughs> and Cash. And we will get into that when we come back from this break. And welcome back to the show. This is the half of the episode where we talk about the things we've brought each other. Oh, yeah, it is. Because this is November Crapathon, the thing that Jordan has brought me is incredibly crappy. So bad. Or or we hope. So bad. Um, before we get into it, we do have some rules. They don't really apply right now, but oh, I'm going to say them anyways, just because, you know, if you're new here, get a sense of what our show is trying to do. Um, the first rule is, it's the rule of three, that if the thing comes in, uh, parts, um, you will watch three of them so that the thing gets a chance to become the thing it is trying to become. Um, most of November Crapathon is movies, so this does not apply. You never know, someday we might, there might be a TV show in the future. Um, the second rule is hashtag save it for the pod. That is the rule that we will not talk about the things before we are sitting in front of these microphones 
again, a lot of the stuff we are going to be talking about is old. Sometimes we will send each other a message about it like, wow, this really is crappy. <laughs> or this thing, uh, no one, everyone hates it so much, it's impossible to find. It's been erased <laughs> from the internet. So stuff like that. But the reason we do this is so that you guys will get um, our freshest of takes, even though the things we are talking about are probably not that fresh because they are old and also because they are garbage. And the third rule, which isn't a rule, it's a policy, is that there will be spoilers. Oh my God, do you and care? Like, Can you possibly you, care? These things are either very old or like just trash, just absolute foulness and that you probably shouldn't care if it gets spoiled for you or not. Um, it's already spoiled because it's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> um, all that being said... If for some reason you're like, oh, no, I really don't want to know anything about this thing. I'm totally going to watch it. Then you should leave. Just leave. I don't know if we want you back. At least not for the month. Um, yeah, you probably don't. Come back in December when we're getting, yeah. we'll get real cozy. Listen, that Bad Mom's Christmas looks real good on Netflix. I can't wait to get to that one. Did you see the trailer for that one yet? Um, No, I have not. It's got Baranski, y'all. Oh. It's got Baranski. Um, I've never seen Mrs. Claus, um, and due to the uh, death of Angela Lansbury, I feel like it is my duty to bring us some Mrs. Claus this Christmas season. It really is. But that, that, listen, that's for next month. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Yes. For now, let's get in to the thing that is the crappy, the crappy thing that Jordan has, has, has delivered on to us. Y'all, I was struggling. Last week you heard me. I was super excited. I was super excited to get into Crapathon. It's my favorite month of the year. Then I was struggling. I started to think about it. I couldn't come up with anything. I was like, holy shit, it's my pick. What are we going to watch? Couldn't think of anything. I was like, do we just go Van Damme again? Do I go this route? Do I go that route? And I started thinking. The, the, one, the one field that has been tilled to great effect on this show lately, and I got to credit someone cute for this because she, she, has, she has put this back in my mind a little bit. It's the notion of the Latchkey Kid movie. Yeah. The movie where the kids, fr- friends, <laughs> youths, <laughs> the latchkey kid, <laughs> some of you may not know this phrase, but I mean, it's basically like it was a first came to prominence in I think the 80s and 90s where like you both your parents worked. You know, the, the idea that like, <laughs> yay, capitalism, the idea <laughs> that one of your parents can stay home all the time. My mom did that for a long ass time. My parents made that work for a long ass time when I was a kid until about the second grade, second or third grade or so. My mom had to go back to work. You needed two incomes to keep it going and raising a kid. That meant that when I got home from school and a lot of other kids of my generation got home from school, you had to get that. You either had a key on you or they hid a key somewhere at the front of the house and you let yourself in. And then there there are all these rules that were like uniformly accepted. You know, hear hear the doorbell ring. You don't answer it. Don't ever answer the door. If the phone phone rings, really dating myself, pre-answering machines, if the phone rang, you could answer it, but just tell tell whoever it was that your parents were like in the shower or something or like unavailable. Ah, yes, of course. I remember this. But usually your parents call at a very specific time. So if it was outside of that, usually you wouldn't. But yes, and you you call them. You call them at work. Whenever you got home, you called them at work to let them know. Yes. You were home all right. It was a weird time, y'all. And then what would you do when you get home? You, you know, do your homework. Pfft, fuck out of here. No, 
No, you'd let your third parent raise you. you can, television. Sweet, sweet television. And my household got cable very early, which meant I had access to the movie network, which means there are just movies that only exist in the memories of latchkey kids because we watched them 900 times because they aired on <laughs> the movie network or in the States, HBO or whatever your cable provider, whatever the movie channel was for your you know local cable provider. And I was trying to think of latchkey kid movies. What movies did I watch in that era over and over again that I can remember? And the clouds parted, Caitlin. Mm-hmm. It was like the opening of The Simpsons. Just the clouds parted and a phrase came to mind. And I said, oh, is that bad? I hope it's bad. Let's just roll the dice and hope that it's bad. Jackpot. <laughs> did not yeah. have to worry. Roll the seven on this one, nope. y'all. Gambled and rolled a seven. We are talking about Tango and Cash, which is a 1989 buddy cop action comedy starring Sylvester Stallone, Kurt Russell, Jack Palance, and Terry Hatcher. Stallone and Russell star as Raymond Tango and Gabriel Cash, respectively, two rival LAPD narcotics detectives who are forced to work together after criminal mastermind Eve Parrott, <laughs> Eve Parrott, Palance, Parrett. who is Jack Palance, frames both of them for murder. Friends, so we're going to have to do something for this movie before we get into the discussion, which is really get into the behind the scenes of it. Because as I was reading the Wikipedia and doing a little bit of research this morning, the origins of this movie and the like behind the scenes of it really expanded Mm -hmm. into something that's going to require more um, (laughs) explanation here. So the film was directed chiefly by Andre Konkolovsky with Albert Magnoli and Peter McDonald taking over in the later stages of filming, and Stuart Baird overseeing post-production. So, for that's, anyone who's, who's That's who's too many people, y'all. That's, that's not a good sign. <laughs> that's already not a good sign. The multiple directors were due to a long and troubled production process that included numerous script rewrites and clashes between Konkolovsky and producer John Peters over creative differences. That is a name we will come back to momentarily. <laughs> The film was released by Warner Brothers in the United States on December 22nd, 1989, the same day as a movie called Always, whatever. Both films were the last movies to be released in the 80s. The film received mixed reviews from critics. No surprises there. Friends, I said we needed to talk about John Peters. If you have ever seen any of Kevin Smith's early talking, you know, spoken word appearances, if you have heard Neil Gaiman talk about The Sandman, if you know the story about the Nicolas Cage Superman movie, the Kevin Smith story basically goes, he was, you know, after Mallrats came out, it was like, that guy likes comics. Bring him in to write about this, to write this uh, Superman movie. And Kevin Smith has a long monologue about what that process was like. And it involved going to a producer's house as the producer sat on his bat- leg down on a couch and held his, like, fingers up to, like, make a screen. As he was visualizing. As Kevin Smith okay. read him the script. Ultimately... Some of the notes he got were basically giant spider. We want a giant spider. (laughs) We need a giant spider for Um, this. Kevin Smith was like, I don't really know if that works. I think I need to drop out of the project. The Superman movie kind of fails. That producer went on to to produce Wild Wild West featuring Will Smith. It's the second mm. second time in as many weeks that 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 movie has come up. (laughs) Um, And what featured prominently in that movie, a giant mechanical spider. The producer who Kevin Smith went to work with on this movie was John Peters. John Peters has become basically a punchline for terrible 80s and 90s blockbusters. He basically got into the business by being Streisand's hairdresser. 
Oh wow! That is how we got into the business. That that's the, mm-hmm. that's the that's the origin story of John Peters. And I don't know, I don't have his filmography in front of me. Clearly, there had to be some hits in there, but just like definitely, when you hear the wildest Hollywood stories, he's somewhere in there usually. <laughs> he's circling around there. His name comes up repeatedly. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Allegedly, 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 allegedly. So he is the producer and apparently the reason for the multiple directors on the movie Tango and Cash. Um, Oh, man. It is so wild to watch this movie in 2022 (laughs) with everything we have learned and known about how narrative shapes our opinions and kind of the Mm -hmm. re-reckoning we've had with cop stories and what the kind of how the, the idea of copaganda and things like that. Because that is all this movie is, y'all. It's, yeah. This is the biggest propaganda movie you have ever seen. And I don't, I just, I got to, I got to clear the link. Caitlin McKinnon, I had no yeah. idea what I was getting you into. Yeah. When I fired this movie up. What was the most batshit part of this movie for you? Um, it was that there was everything in this movie. Everything that a 12 or 13 year old boy would be like, I want this in my movie. Um, there were. There's, there's definitely um, a reason why 12 year old Jordan watched this movie a million times on the movie network. There, there was a like James Bond Q esque car. Yes. Um, there was a prison break. Yes. Uh, there was. Um, explosives, several, several explosives. Sexy ladies um, playing the drums. <laughs> yep, sexy secretary <laughs> Hatcher playing the drums, but no strip tease, so it's okay for parents. Yep. there were boobs. Yes, yeah, gr- gratuitous ones. In in a scene where two people are um, ha- having sex in a car, just for for why, no reason. Why did we have to see that? What did it add to the scene? Literally nothing. No, literally nothing. Um, there were car chases. There were people chases. Um, there was torture. Um, there were um, gangsters. There were there. Okay, I need. I need. I have questions. <laughs> I, I have so many questions. Um, there was literally the worst dialogue. And the worst delivery of dialogue. Please tell me you wrote down some of the classic. Stallone. Yeah, tell me you wrote down some of the classic Stallone one-liners that were in there because they escaped it, my memory immediately. But I, I, I didn't. But I did write one word down because it, it literally the line happened. I think at least three times, and it. I don't know if they were trying to make it a callback, but it didn't work. Um, and that line is: "Is that a proposal?" <laughs> um, because being gay was both horrifying and hilarious. LOL. And at the late 80s. Um, the whole scene with the, like, when Kurt Russell's getting the soap and right. Stallone freaks out. Um, like, the, uh, that was terrible. Um, you know, there was a lot of murder um, that happened. Like, like just there there. There are so many things in this film. Like, and at first, I thought the film was a, a buddy cop film. Like, they were going to have to be forced to work together to, like, solve the problem. And it was going to be a very, like, classic. It kind of tries to be that. Well, well. And then <laughs> I was like, oh, it's uh, them surviving in prison and <laughs> a prison escape movie. And then I was like, oh, no, it's a clearing their name movie. And then I was like, oh, no, it's a vigilante justice movie. And 
I was confused most of the time. Yeah, and so let's let's try I to am, let's try to break down the plot for these people who have never seen it before, which I assume is most people listening to this show. Uh, <laughs> basically, uh, Stallone, Tango, Kurt Russell, Cash—they are yeah. both the top cops on either side of the city. Uh, one of them works the east end. One of them works the west end of LA. Um, and they're causing loads of problems for the drug criminal overlord Jack Palance, who decides that instead of killing them, because. <laughs> I don't remember. Be... I don't remember his rationale, but instead of the ki- rationale, the rationale was that if they killed them, they would be in an all-out war with the police force. Okay, sure. Um, so then it is elaborate, like Rube Goldbergian, like plots to discredit Tangle and Cash. They set him up for the murder of a federal agent. Uh, they end up, they get him in prison, where they like organize, uh, you know, beatings and. <laughs> Electrocutions. Oh, but no, no, no. You, I'm sorry. You you've missed a part in this that they were supposed Kay, to go to. Caitlin, I probably pr- I probably missed a lot of parts of this. No, no, no. This is important because this is. I know you're like, okay, this sounds silly. It it got like there was a moment where I was like, oh, this is just a movie that is wildly not just silly, but like way improbable. Um, they were supposed to go to this prison. And somehow they got transferred to a different prison without anybody noticing. Right. Um, I thought the most improbable part was that people were shocked and appalled that cops could be dirty. Oh, yes. Of course. Oh, my but God. This is it's the late front 80s. page. It's a, no one can believe that Tango and Cash could possibly take money from drug dealers or. Or steal or murder federal agents. Like, girl, I watched this. I watched We Run the City this year. Like, this is not. Yeah. This is a very weird bookend of uh, of cop shows to watch. Um, yeah, so then they end up in prison. They get out of prison and they have to clear their name. And, and it just ends, like Caitlin said, for absolutely no reason. Kurt Russell just knows a guy um, who's like the, who has made the Punisher van for funsies. <laughs> um. Which doesn't really get them very far, ultimately. They then drive to, like, no. the, the drug dealer headquarters, um, which plays out like a Grand Theft Auto level. So, I mean, I gotta give them respect for that. Like, that shit was so 80s and over the top, where they're, like, <laughs> they're, like, literal, I, I like... I what I was, like, is this Thunderdome? Yeah, like, they're, they're, like... <laughs> like it was, like, not over top. They're, like, rock crushers, like, <laughs> those giant, huge construction rock hauling, uh... ATVs are like running around. There's dudes with Uzi. You only ever saw Uzis in the eighties. Yeah. Those little short autumn, fully automatic guns. You only ever saw those in the eighties. Um, yeah. And then they, and then they get in because, uh, Sylvester Stallone's sister was kidnapped by Jack Palance and his gang. And then there's like the very suspenseful enter the dragon moment where he's like in, <laughs> I will, I will give one bit of credit to a moment of dialogue slash, uh, plot, when ultimately, when they're doing the Enter the Dragon thing, and it's like, of course, you never negotiate. Everybody just always takes the shot because they're the most badass cops in the world, right? And they never miss. Right. Um, you know, they both shoot Jack Palance, not one of the mirrors that he's behind. Yeah. And they're like, how did you know it was him? And Stallone's go, or Kurt Russell says like, oh, the he had a monogram or a pin or something, and it was backwards on the other ones, and it was the right way on the, and it was backwards on the other ones. And Stallone's like, oh. It was his ring was on the wrong hand. It's like, well, at least they acknowledge that. That's a nice bit of like, this is how the cops figured out how to do that. That is the one thing I can point to in this movie for being like, (laughs) 
a well, thing. That makes sense. That's that's fun. that's fun. Um, okay, so let's go back to where my questions start. Uh-huh. Um, did Jack Palance or his character Eve Perret or Perret, um, did he have that maze table made just to talk great, about? Great question. Did trapping. He ha- the, the police and did he already really like mice or did he just get That's, those mice symbolize the officers that is the theory i'm working with i think this was already a hobby of his and you just have you know when you're like henry cavill in warhammer you just want to bring the things you're passionate about into your work so into your work okay he fair, fair really enough. likes mice and making mice run mazes so <laughs> then did he construct his fortress like a maze to trap it because oh, at one point see? look at you stallone stallone says wow this is like a maze um in his very stallone um they're paying <laughs> me by the word um thing that's going on um okay so all right so yeah we got to think that through um how about the fact that they no longer were so they were suspended they were off the force because mm-hmm. of course they'd been in jail they escaped from jail they yes. hadn't cleared their names yet no and then they murdered quite a few people. Mm-hmm. Um, was that just like swept under the rug? Because like, hey, they saved the day ultimately. Yeah, that's, they- that's that's just justice. Okay. Oh, that's just even justice. though they okay, are essentially justice. civilians by the point they go onto a criminal mastermind's private property and murder yes. dozens of people. Yes, and blow up. A lot of things. Yes, it cannot be uh, cannot be overstated. This movie does conclude with the building exploding, jump into a ditch shot. Yes, it does. Um, and then the corniest high five. Oh my god, it's the best high five! How dare you! <laughs> in the history of anything. Um, I cannot get over the distance between Sylvester Stallone and Kurt Russell as actors. Um, in, in what direction? Like, Kurt Russell is amazing, and yes. he can make any dialogue yes. sound plausible and good. He's, whereas, su- he's such a fucking dick in the movie, but you're kind of like, eh. Yeah, that's eh. fine. And hey, he doesn't take advantage of Terry Hatcher's character. Does not. Uh, Kiki. No, he does not. Um, and he's very respectful at first because he thinks that um, uh, Tango and Kiki have a thing, even though they're brother and sister. He doesn't know that. And he's being, you know, relatively respectful. Um, if, but, only, if only he could have taken that sensitivity to the Asian community, but... Y- yes. And uh, and Sylvester Stallone is... I, I mean, I've seen lots of Sylvester Stallone movies. He's fine. This, he's bad. Especially at <laughs> the first, like, 20 please, minutes. Please, let's talk about the opening scene. Please, <laughs> let's talk about the opening scene. The opening scene, to establish just what a badass Sylvester Stallone is... And what a super cop he is, he basically drives a sedan into the middle of like a federal highway, uh, you know, turns the car, you know, screeches the car to block both lanes of traffic and then gets out and does that solitary walk down the opposing lane of traffic until he stops, pulls out the tiniest gun. Smallest, tiniest, (laughs) invidious. Um reloads it which uh, with i don't know super bullets or something and then does the whole like i'm bracing it on my wrist and just pings off shots at a tractor trailer he has he has time to change the type of bullets yes though. he did remember have time. even though this thing is barreling towards him <laughs> so much time and then ultimately instead of just driving through instead of ducking down and driving through him you're in a tractor trailer um, they slam on the brakes because I don't know road safety is the, of the utmost imperative here, um, <laughs> but not seat belts because then they fly out of the windshield and land yeah. on the uh, 
and land on the pavement, at which point Stallone uh, utters one of his classic one-liners that was so unmemorable I can't summon it at this moment. Glad you could drop in. And then the state troopers show up and, oh, it's a federal highway. You're out of your jurisdiction. What the hell are you doing, buddy? And then <laughs> meta before meta was cool, some co- some state trooper on the roof of the track of the trailer goes, he thinks he's Rambo. And Stallone goes, Rambo is a pussy. You know, you want to talk about awkward high fives, you know, in the writer's room <laughs> or, or, or that day in 1988 when they when they were filming and they ad libbed this, there were high fives all around. They thought they were the coolest. Y'all. It's it's bad. The dialogue is bad. But at the same time, I feel like this movie is like if you want to know what movies in the 80s were like, this is kind of it. Um, so. Uh, the other thing we also need to talk about, and it is a highlight in this movie in that it is also the epitome of what movies were like in the 80s, um, is Brian James's Rakeen character and what has to be the worst English accent on the entire planet. And, we're ta- and like, you don't want to talk about his skull at ponytail? Um, no, I felt really bad for his ponytail. They were quite mean to his ponytail. Um <laughs> And because, you know, he had a ponytail, he was mocked. Mm. Um, but what he should have been mocked for was his terrible, awful, garbled um, British accent. I don't even know where he was supposed to be. You I'm what? guessing it was like South London. You what, London. mate? You what? You what, mate? You what? What? Um, <laughs> I swear to God, he said governor at some point. Like I it was think just- he probably did. <laughs> Ugh, it was it was, it was British so dialogue bad. written by someone who's never actually heard a British person speak before. It was kind of amazing. Ah, hundred percent. Yeah. So there was that. Um, yeah. Just the movie. Just it, at all turns, making absolutely no sense. Um, the one thing though was, and I mean, I think it's all really down to Kurt Russell. I actually did think they had chemistry as like a cop duo, and I almost Fla- feel flashes like- a flash here and there. Yeah. Yeah, they 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 were worthy of like a better script. Um, I did not understand what this garbled mess, why it was so tonally like weird and like shifting, and why there was so much going on at all times, and like it's very much okay. You know how people talk about anime for like young boys, and it's like I'm the best of the best, and yes. like no one can ever beat me, and he's he's so strong. This is the epitome yeah. of an eighties this is just, movie of that. This is just a Goku Vegeta situation. It's just like Yeah. The two that are the best and begrudgingly uh, you know, acknowledge each other's skills and work together. Yeah. Um but yeah, anyway, so this movie was just the hottest garbage, um, and I enjoyed every second of it. I, what else do we need to know about this movie? Uh, courtesy of Wikipedia, Tango and Cash was nominated for three Golden Raspberry Awards for Worst Actor, for Stallone, mm-hmm. Worst Supporting Actress, Kurt Russell in Drag, that's rude, and Worst Screenplay, where it lost all three. In 2012, the podcast The Flophouse dedicated an episode to the movie and praised it as the last film before irony was created. I think that's probably a fair <laughs> assessment, to be honest. <laughs> This film, maybe this spurred irony to the maybe because this movie does not know it's bad this movie thinks it's oh, awesome no. this movie thinks it is so awesome it, yeah it is not um and kate yeah what do we know about hollywood god so many things what do we know what's the one thing we know about hollywood 
The same could be said of comic book characters, Caitlin. Oh, they'll, they never die. Nothing ever stays dead. Yeah. In 2019, Stallone revealed he had a story written for a potential sequel. No! God, no! The filmmaker wow. stated Shut he is trying up. to convince Kurt Russell to sign onto the project, though he anticipates the film will be made. No further updates, but that's in the ether. Shut up. Absolutely not. No. This deserves to stay in the 80s where it bloody well belongs. <laughs> Unless you're going to pull a, like, final season Brooklyn Nine-Nine and, like, re-examine... <laughs> the premise of the original movie and talk about police reform. And we don't need, you don't need to do the expendables with Tango and cash. No. Calm down. No. So given yeah. that, uh, we, November always flips the rating system from kick punches to punch kicks. And that yep. is where you rate a movie kind of based on how bad it was. If it was enjoyably bad, Caitlin McKinnon, how many punch kicks yeah. is Tango and cash getting? This is like eight and a half for sure. It's a pretty solid, bad movie. Y'all. Yeah. It is a pretty solid bad movie. Yeah, it's eight and a half nine for me. I was I was stunned at how really bad it is. It's real bad. Yeah, it's. I I don't know how I'm gonna top this. I really gotta dig. I'm gonna dig deep. And like I said, this this was a surprising. I did not expect this to be. I did not expect this to be the smash that it was. This was just a movie I remembered from being a kid. That of course. <laughs> As a kid, I thought it was awesome. <laughs> Get about 30 years under your belt, watch it again and go, oh, God, we were terrible. I really, I, maybe that's what I should do. I should investigate my teenagehood and be like, what, or like pre-teenhood and be like, what did I really love? What did I think was just amazing? Ah, <laughs> uh, but whatever that is, I'm excited to see it. Friends, if you got thoughts, comments. On Tango and Cash. It's not anywhere. It's only by a rent. We paid money for this, y'all. I know. I paid money to watch Tango and Cash. <laughs> God. Uh, so if anybody's an accountant and wants to uh, hit me up on how I can claim that and get that money back at tax time, let me know over <laughs> on Twitter.com slash GeekTownPod. Get up off Twitter. Because we can't keep doing this. We can't keep spending $7 on bad movies. <laughs> Otherwise, I believe that's going to wrap it up, friends. I'm excited to see what Kate brings in next week. Thank you for spending an hour and change with us every week. It truly means the world to us. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser. And I hope you will join us next week for another trashy, terrible episode of Geek Down Podcast. Caitlin, we can't yeah. give another. No one's saying anything, but I'm feeling it. I'm feeling that people do not want to hear us talk for 27 minutes about Andor every episode. Okay, fine. Can we just talk about it for 10 minutes then? <laughs> I'll t I'll t uh, you know what? I will. <laughs> we will set a clock. We will tell the people we're setting a clock. Yes. Oh, God. We are taking that extra hour we got back just to talk about Andor. <laughs>